Victor, warm welcome to the Good Growth Podcast. How are you? I'm all right. So far, so good. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, Excellent. you've got interesting backgrounds. You appear to have a forest behind you. <laughs> I do indeed, and you seem to have, well, quite an assortment. A lot of red. A junkyard. <laughs> me, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I want to delve into some of the work uh, and success that you've achieved through your career. But before we, before we do that, I, I suppose throughout all of your work, um, there's a theme um, or, or something that's or it's been underlined, I suppose, by a clear passion for tackling health inequalities in the community um, and within voluntary well, organisations. Yeah, yeah, inequality can, generally. Can, and can you tell us a little bit about where that um, passion and, and drive to, to tackle those issues came from? Well, to be honest, I was thinking, <laughs> like, like, you know, the standard answer I gave is that my mum was a nurse, I grew up in Wakefield, we weren't rich, in fact we were quite poor, and um, what else are you going to do? But actually, the real truth is that the logical. I have thought about this a lot, and I often, the answer, the logic answer is: What else are you going to do? What kind of person comes onto the planet to make the world less equal? <laughs> now, there are people who do that, but why would you? It's a it's a strange <laughs> thing to set out to do, right? To make the world less equal and not to care about inequity or inequality. What kind of a person does that? Right? It just seems an odd, an odd way to live so it seems the answer to the question is it's logical it's illogical not to uh, uh, was there any particular moment when that sort of drive and desire developed i mean like you say it's a, it's a logical thing to do from human there instinct a logical but... thing to do I'd, I'd, I'd love to have the debate with somebody who thinks it's illogical there are people who do think it's illogical um mm. uh but they tend to avoid people like me i guess but i um i don't know i was probably quite young actually I mean, it just seemed you know, I, you reflect on your life, and uh, I, well, I do, um, you know, to understand what you're doing. Uh, I was probably about 12 or something. I mean, you know, just thinking about, as you do, when you're walking across the park to school, and you think, well, what's what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> what is the point of my life? What What is the point of it, right? What am I doing? <laughs> um, so it's really... And what do I want to do? And how do I want to feel about what I'm doing? Yeah, <laughs> and the one well, comes to some obvious conclusions. So I suppose it, from a personal perspective, or perhaps a selfish perspective, it's just to make that feel like you've made an impact. I suppose on well, society. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of ways to make an impact on society. You know, one is to wipe out half of it. Um, the other would be to. There's lots of ways to make an impact. I guess I decided, like most normal human beings, to make a positive impact or to try to. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure people say. You know, I'm a bit cautious about words like success or impact because I'm still alive you know I don't know I don't know whether I made an impact I just do you know people I, I like to think I just do my best <laughs> mm. hopefully I have but I've got no idea frankly <laughs> <laughs> well the I think the proof is in the pudding from what you've done uh, so far well yeah but uh, yeah it's an odd thing people yeah <laughs> I'm not sure I, I like to think that I've been I've left things better than I found them and hopefully I'll leave the earth better than I found it but I haven't left yet so <laughs> let's see <laughs> you know? plenty more to do yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so let's start then with, with the present day you, you're you're currently working um, with Visionable I am um, I'm the co-founder and chairman of Visionable <laughs> co-founder and chairman of Visionable which, which I'm very proud uh, of just for a bit of background for the listeners is a is a platform that's really sort of innovated how 
health services are delivered, particularly during this time yeah. when face-to-face contact is, is limited. Yeah. Um, over to you, really. Can you just tell us a bit more about yeah, Visionable? We've been, me, myself and my uh, co-founder, Alan Lowe, have been working on Visionable for some time now. It's it's different from other video. We're, we're, on, we're talking on Zoom. And actually, Visionable could could have been Zoom, but it could do much. It can do much more than Zoom, and that's partly the challenge that we've had. It can do everything, so you could replace your whole corporate communications with Visionable. Basically, um, it's secure. It can do things like multi-camera feeds. Um, it has this thing called lossless vision. So what you see down a if it's a cancer cell, you see it in your on your screen. Um, it's security, so there's no, there's no. It can't be hacked because there's, we don't hold data. It just the data's in. It's all that sort of stuff. So these, these things can't be done by other platforms. But we focused on health um, for the last five years uh, and a bit longer. Uh, we focused on what it can do in health and what it can do in health is um, things like stroke. So we've been focused on stroke for the last um, year or so. And we run the East of England Stroke Network, and we know, because we've had the research done, that the average number of beds, uh, time spent in hospital in bed after following a stroke in, in East of England was about 17 days, and we've reduced it to two. Um, we have uh, the average, the, the percentage of people being thrombolized, which is the uh, res- uh, response when you have a stroke, uh, was 1% before Visionable. It's now 40%. Um, and we've saved the system, I think, about 19 million. So our, no. my our response uh, is, well, everybody should get that. Everybody should get that service. Um, and the fact that they don't is is something that we we set out to change. So, Visionable is we're, we're a vision driven company, a values driven company, and we're we're set up really because we believe there are only three problems really facing health pretty much anywhere in the world uh, equity which is not the same as equality um, you know in in London a woman in Barking and Dagenham which is a poor area has an active life expectancy of 55 in Richmond upon Thames which is a rich area it's over 70 that's equity <laughs> they need different things um, access by which I mean the means by which we design services deliver them um, uh, so that they are accessible <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which is a challenge, and digital. And if digital isn't helping you with the first two, why are you using it? Right. So, Visionable is the digital that helps you with the first two. <laughs> and so we're yeah. picking pathways, conditioned pathways, stroke being the first. And when effectively, as my uh, friend and, and business partner says, we're putting it in a box. We're basically creating a pathway which is supported by Visionable, which means that anybody anywhere in the world effectively can get a stroke diagnosis um, and can get treated and it's not just stroke we can do this for any ischemic event um, or any condition and in fact in um, the access point um, one of the things that Visionable's working on uh, we can do is connect you sitting there with a clinician anywhere in the world and one of the problems is shortages of specialists is a problem in most health systems and that issue is is as much about the numbers available, but the use, the use, the usage, the utility of the ones that, mm-hmm. of the of the specialists that you've got. So if you've got a specialist sitting on twiddling his thumbs when he could be see, talking to you, dealing with you, that's a waste. So we have a, a pla- our platform can enable that to happen. It can connect 
the, the clinician with you and able to clinician to see everything there is about you on one screen, talk to you, deal with you, indeed operate. And we can do that while you're in ambulance on the way to the hospital because our platform works with 5G, which is uh, pretty mm -hmm. unique. And it also, <laughs> sounds like an advert, but it's, it's, it is pretty <laughs> slick stuff. Also, our platform um, also works with AI. So because it's multi-feeds, you can have different AI streams, uh, different st uh, pieces of information from different yeah. angles about... Uh, so if you're an AI platform provider, if you, if you do AI, the more data you're feeding from different sources, the, the faster your um, algorithm learns. So um, we're, talk, we're, in, we're talking to a, to a number of companies now, <laughs> I nearly said which ones, but we're talking to a number of companies <laughs> who are very keen on, on, on AI because our platform is the only one that will do that um, and feed multiple streams. Um, wow. So there's lots of things it will do, and we are really excited about its potential. And we've been, we, I think it could change the way healthcare is delivered. It is, yeah, it is an incredible piece of digital innovation that probably the health service has been crying out for. It sounds. It like. is. It is, and I, it, it has been crying out for it. The, one of the we've we we are now in um, about. Well, there's about 20 top hospitals in the UK, and we're in uh, nearly half of them. Um, we have got, we work with about 100 NHS organisations, and, you know, we haven't been going that long. I mean, what, four years ago, there was two of us, then there was three, and now there's 70 of us. So we've been growing at quite a pace. But our, my view is the, N the NHS is actually one of the hardest systems to work in. Um, it has a lot of pilots, a lot of innovation, but not much spread. It's right. very hard um, uh, for all kinds of reasons. And so the, the proof of contact concept is Visionable works in the NHS. We, that means it can work anywhere. It'll work in any system because the NHS is one of the hardest systems to change pretty much in the world. It's a really hard system <laughs> to change. Um, uh, because of the way, well, because of the way decisions are made, because of the way the um, the internal health market operates, because, 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 and we've managed to do it because what we do is works and is reliable. Um, so we are talking to um, partners in the US because the US is, has a very unequal, high cost but low value health system, and we know we can make significant change. So we are. Next year is a big US year for us, um, so we, we're moving into the US as well. Yeah, expanding beyond the UK. We are, yeah, and Germany and Africa as well. So we think we can deliver an awful lot from our platform. In fact, not that we think, we know. So it's, mm. it, it's really exciting. For me, for the vision, for Team Visionable, this is like, um, it's a game changer. Yeah. Our platform will sit underneath a lot of change basically, in healthcare worldwide. It sounds brilliant. Um, and actually, just to move sort of back then, before Visionable, uh, you were chief executive of Turning Point. I was. Um, for, for close to 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and during your time there, you, you led the transformation from uh, what was a substance abuse charity yeah. that was more reliant on funding to what is now essentially a social enterprise that's self-fulfilling. Self yeah. So why... It may seem an obvious question, but why did that transformation no, need to be made? No, it's not obvious, actually. It was quite hard. No, thank you for asking, in a way, because um, <laughs> when I first arrived at Turning Point, it was very much the charity, 
Um, in fact, it, we, we had, it was one of the charities that Princess Diana was a patron of, and she dropped, uh, and I'd been, at ter I'd been at Centre Point before then, so my career had gone from point to point. And, do, do, you know, Turning Point was very much the charity. The problem with that was that um, we were losing money, a lot of money, <laughs> like really, we're about 20 million, I think, but we're losing a lot of money. And the, the problem is that everybody expected us to deliver our services for free. And most of our clients were local authorities um, and we, it was not sustainable. You know, it's a very simple thing if you're in a charity. You're either raising enough funds or you're not. You're either, your cost of raising those funds is less than the cost to actually raise them. <laughs> you know, you're making more money than it costs to raise the funds, if you see what I mean. Hmm. Um, and you have an efficient distribution. We, we were struggling, partly because, you know, substance misuse ain't sexy. Um, it's hard to raise money in substance misuse. Um, we, we also were doing some learning disability services, not, not um, and a, tiny, a bit of mental health. So it's not that we weren't only doing mental But I figured that that strategy as a, wasn't sustainable. So we had to do a number of things. One was start recovering the full cost plus for what we were doing so we could make a profit. <laughs> and um, we had to do that by... Um, shifting our stance from a charity to a social enterprise, a, a business. Now, mm -hmm. this is, in my view, and people, your listeners may disagree with this, charities are businesses. They just don't have shareholders and they don't distribute um, uh, dividends. Yeah, um, they, a lot of, I got into a lot of trouble with the charity world who felt, well, you know, um, you, you're not a, you know, you, you're the business, you're too business-like. And I'd say, well, no, we're a business. We're not a business-like, we are a business. And that's because our clients deserve the best. They, deserve, they don't, you know, it's interesting, middle-class people, and you might be one of them, um, you probably are, don't <laughs> generally, well, I hope you are, because it's not bad, um, <laughs> they, they, they generally don't go to charities for their services. You, know, you think about it, you know, you, they don't. And so my view was why should people who were suffering from life-threatening conditions, who had life-threatening, you know, um, challenges like uh, substance abuse or illnesses like mental health or um, disabilities like learning difficulties, why should that be a charitable endeavour? And why should the fact that, you know, Turning Point at the time ran a, a number of substance misuse services in central London, still does in fact, and I knew that if I closed those services on Monday, you would notice the difference by Wednesday afternoon if you walked through Soho. Why is that a charitable endeavour, right? That's business. <laughs> so, so we, it was a, a long, it wasn't, didn't happen overnight. We needed to change the culture, change the funding, um, and become a social enterprise, and that's what we did over a period of, well, probably took about, I'd say four to five years before we actually got it embedded. Um, and by the time I left, that's what we were. we were. I'd like to think that we were a leading light in the health sector as a social mm -hmm. enterprise and, you know, hopefully we'll carry on doing that. So, uh, so I think you've briefly touched on it there. So so what can Turning Point now offer to society that it couldn't when you first joined? What what, what the kind of services? So, so Turning Point... Um, uh, can offer uh, well we, we're in the top 10 providers of forensic mental health at least we were when I left which was nearly a year ago 
Um, we are we provide well. Turning Point provides learning disability services to probably over 2,000 people and substance misuse services to probably about 70,000, 90,000 people in 300 locations, um, many of those in the poorest areas in the country and employs, um, I think it's nearly about 4,000, just over 4,000 people doing that. Um, it is in the top. It is one... So I... You know, being big isn't as important as being good. So mm -hmm. um, we are in in the top uh, two percent in terms of quality and safety of services. Turning point. I keep seeing we, but I mean, I'm no I longer I'm no longer <laughs> associated with it, and I'm, I'm glad because it was it was hard work. So um, yeah. yeah, but we uh, turning point is in the top. You know, I'm I'm I like to think that team turning point, you know, will continue to be in the top quality of providers anywhere in the UK in health and social care um, according to the CQC the Care Quality Commission um, so yeah the answer to your question is we can deliver an awful lot to an awful lot of people that we couldn't have delivered you know mm. 19 years ago basically <laughs> so mm. it's yeah it's pretty extraordinary the transformation there from where you started to now where it is now and where and the, the foundation it's got to hopefully continue to build on those the services. The trick is to hire really good people and let them get on with it. <laughs> I, absolutely. And I, expand on that a bit more if you can. So, I mean, is, is that essentially your leadership style is to have really good people and just and essentially, yeah, let, you've brought them in for a reason. You don't hire people that are better than you at most things. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, it's interesting. People want to talk to me about what I've done in the past, you know, turning point or what I'm doing now at Visionable as though uh, as though I did it all I mean I didn't I didn't you know I basked in the glory of some very brilliant of some brilliant people you know you build you know I built a team <laughs> basically I mean I, I I appointed people who were smart enough to appoint smart people <laughs> and and my job was to was to uh, not get in the way to lead follow or get out of the way basically and make the decision as to which of those was appropriate or whatever but the lead thing you know it's not about my ego it's about it's about where can where can I and where should I add the most value with what I know, <laughs> you know and who I am as opposed to constantly being in people's face because my ego demands that that's what it's got to be um so yeah i the, anything that i've done uh, or will do that people consider a success is not because of me it's because i've surrounded by some bloody good people <laughs> basically who believed me for long enough to actually you know, <laughs> deliver on my behalf and allowed me to bask in their glory i mean it's, it's, it's great fun when it works like that but i, I just feel a bit you know yeah, they, um, they, they. My job is to leave the place slightly better than I found it, and not cock it up, not make mm -hmm. it worse. So, you know, so far I've managed to do that, but it's because of other people. Just on then your sort of broader life achievements and and the responsibilities you had. So, uh, you became a member of the House of Lords two thousand and one. Yeah, I did. Um, you've. Uh, you've regularly featured on the on the Powerlist, which, for those who don't know, is a recognition of 
um, influential people of African African Caribbean heritage. Yeah. What do those sort of titles and response mean to mean to you not in, much, in terms to of be your? <laughs> I'm always no. well. It, it's not you know. I, I never. I didn't set out to be a member of the House of Lords or to appear on lists. And actually, no. you, you probably know the most powerful people in the world don't appear on lists, right? So in any in any setting. So I, I don't really have a lot of you know. It's nice. It's better than not appearing and not in some ways uh, for other people for for people who want to work with me. It's they, you know, they kind of look and list and think, well, he's not cocked it up so far, so you know, he might, he's worth having a chat with. Yeah, um, the House of Lords is an interesting one because I thought long and hard about that. Um, I was encouraged to to apply. It was an, I went for an interview for like a job interview, and um, I was interviewed by people who, you know, well. I suppose people talk about the establishment. I was interviewed by the establishment, right? Quite powerful people who, who, um, who were very subtle. You know, the sort of people that, I guess, in some ways, you know, if they sliced your arm off, you wouldn't know till you reached for your pint, sort of thing. Um, really, um, but that you know, I, much to my surprise, <laughs> I shock actually, I got in, right. I was told that 5,000 people applied and thousands of people apply every year. So people slag off the House of Lords, but it appears to be very popular. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. so um, having accepted it, I found myself a member of the most exclusive club in the world. And um, I'm not one of these people who it is fashionable um, to. There's a helicopter flying over, which you might hear, but um, I'm not one of these people who it's fashionable to slag off. The House of Lords, or indeed the House of Commons, these days, I think we should mm. be very careful about doing both. <laughs> so, I but I'm not, you know, I, I have a rule about the House of Lords, which is I only vote on things I understand. I only speak where it's going to make a difference. So I can tell you exactly how many times I've spoken, um, thirty-nine times <laughs> since I started, um, <laughs> and um, I vote. I was an, up last night on my computer voting on the immigration bill um, because I do actually think it's a really good idea that we allow asylum seekers into the country <laughs> mm -hmm. I know that's not necessarily a popular view either with some people but last time I looked most things that were that are useful in this country have been built by asylum seekers or refugees so, um, uh, or indeed immigrants and there is a difference so I was, you know, I do vote on things that matter to me and that mm -hmm. I think I know something about. So it's quite useful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and my final point, so I want to touch on the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's received a lot of media attention this year. Mm. Uh, yeah. It, in your opinion um, and view, what now needs to happen? So a powerful message has definitely been sent. So. Well, there is something, I mean, there is a very strange moral equivalence um, that occurs around these issues where, um, you know, uh, a black person can be, well, literally murdered in broad daylight, you know, horizontally lynched, and you do hear some people going, well, it's, he was a criminal. <laughs> As though somehow that excuses the fact that he was lynched in public. You know, it's very odd. Or you hear people, well, on the one side, you know, I would agree with the the idea that black lives matter, which is a neutral sentence. Either black lives matter or they don't, right? Mm -hmm. Or, on the other hand, I'm not sure. You know, I need to think about it. 
what is there to think about? What you you saying? <laughs> it's like what what there is no debate, right? Is you either agree with the statement or you don't, right? If you agree, mm. if you don't agree with the statement, you're a racist. It's not difficult. <laughs> now that's separate from the organisation. The organisation yeah. you can have a view of, um, and it's not really an organisation. It's a loose collective of things that happen. And so some things you might think are very useful and some things aren't. I'm a great, I, I, I quite, I like the, I, the, the Ruth Ginsburg, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's view, which is that you should try and make change and you should create movements, but do it in a way that get people to follow you. Yeah. And that's how the civil rights movement worked in America. And that's how the, the uh, civil rights movement worked in the, in the UK. And you've got to remember that black people... I, I was born in 1962. Black people got the vote in America in 1964, and we got the Race Relations Act in this country at this, roughly the same time. So I just think, what kind of person wouldn't agree with the statement that black lives matter? It doesn't matter whether you're black, white, yellow. Who, who cares, right? It's a simple statement. And therefore, if you see the evidence that black lives matter you know the lives of people like me matter less than the lives of people like yours why wouldn't you support it why wouldn't what's do you know what I mean what side of the argument do you want to be on it's not a difficult argument no. and almost it, for me it's not about race you know I, I support the notion of black lives matter because I'm human <laughs> it's just it's as obvious as that so I don't I don't get the notion that it's it's a debatable point if it's debatable, it means that there are people who don't agree with it, <laughs> who don't agree that black lives do matter. And there are movements, you know, all lives matter, which is another obvious statement, which I would absolutely agree with. All lives matter, absolutely. But if you see a black man being lynched, and by the way, there have been other killings, that just happened to be the latest one, then it's also true that, that some lives appear not to matter as much as others, and they happen to be black mm -hmm. lives, in which case you must agree with black lives. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it, you can wrap yourselves in knots, but it's just obvious to me that we live in a world in which um, it is everyone's problem. It is everyone's yeah. challenge. No one can avoid it. It is an issue that will haunt... Um, you, whether you are black or white, if you are a, if you are a human, if you are a decent human, <laughs> you know, if you wake up in the morning and think, actually, I wish to leave the world a little better today, <laughs> yeah, you know? or if you have children, uh, if you care about your fellow humans at any form, then you need to be involved. Victor, thank you very much. Um, problem, no problem for your time. Absolute pleasure talking to you about. Um the Black Lives Matter movement there, but also, of course, your achievements and with Turning Point and, and obviously all the best with Visionable. It sounds like there's some exciting times ahead. Thank you. Well, I'm hope, I hope so. You know, I'm a busy guy, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, Visionable needs everybody's help, um, and so does Turning Point. So, you know, big up to, to Team Visionable <laughs> and big up to Team Turning Point. Fantastic. Thank you, Victor. Thank you.